Hello and welcome to another episode of the Roach Coach Podcast, the journey to create the new metal canon. My name is Lauren Kozlowski. With me, as always, the Indigo Angel, Jennifer Bloomer. Hello. And the original Roach Rider, Mr. Matt Nas. Keep it rolling, baby. There you go. And today, folks, we are back with a new episode about a band that we have not done in over three years. <laughs> Holy crap. Wow. We're talking single-digit episode numbers. We're talking an episode, Matt, that you were not around for. That's correct. This was recorded in Eric's basement. That's right. The early days of the coach. We talked about the first, or not the first, but the the third Machine Head album, The Burning Red. Today, we're talking about the fourth one, Supercharger by Machine Head. We're going to dive all into this thing. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about Rob. We're going to talk about it all. But before we get to that, we have got to talk about who has a Tortilla Man update? Who has a Tortilla Man update? Who does? So, longtime listeners and longtime maggots know that there is a new member of Slipknot. He is called Tortilla Man. And no one knows who he is. Still. Like, Matt, you heard some rumors. You, I you, heard the, the Michael Pfaff rumor. The Michael Pfaff rumor. We but talked nothing, about it, I think, last week on the show. Yes. Still nothing's been confirmed, but now, Slipknot, currently on tour, currently rocking out, We Are Not Your Kind, number one album in the country, the boys did it again, they are now taken to trolling the fans, Tortilla Man coming out to the audience with actual tortilla on his face, throwing tortillas into the audience, things are getting out of hand. Yeah. I love this. What a gimmick. Also, it's kind of a fuck you to your mask a little bit. I mean, who knows what it was supposed to be? They got a picture here. Uh, Stereo Gum had some pictures here from the tortilla incident. And it looks to me like he's supposed to be some sort of acid victim. But once you say tortilla, that's all I see. Tortilla with some red sauce. There you go. Making him, by default, the most appetizing Slipknot member. That is true, because nobody wants to eat DJ Starscream. No. Mm -mm. I mean, someone might. Yeah. Beth at this flying J. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Oh, boy. All right. So that's that's what's up with Tortilla Man. Also, who's emailing? Who's emailing? Well, that would be Austin Counts. Uh, Austin says you guys should check out and consider the album Mason Ray by the Ernie's. Maybe a little more just rap rock than new, but I feel like it's not super off genre for the show, and it was definitely a hidden gem of the band, at least in my opinion. The album was also produced by producer alum Howard Benson. Howie B. Howie B. All right. Very nice. Okay. The Ernie's. That that one has never been recommended to us before. For sure. That's a new one. That's a a very ska-sounding name, I'm just going to be honest. Also, we got to talk about who's reviewing us. Who's reviewing us? Who is? So, as you all know, we are doing the Twisted 2 Hundo, the Hundo Never Dundo. Twisted 2 Hundo. Hundo Never Dundo. In which we are looking to get 200 reviews on iTunes, at which point we will do an episode all about the rap horrorcore group Twisted, whose name I'm still working on learning how to spell. I promise to learn soon. So we're working our way up. 
think we've got about 114 reviews, 115 if you count everything across all countries in the world. We got a review from Australia from JRuss777. They gave us three thumbs up and five stars and said, my husband loves this podcast. My roots were more in the emo scene personally, but I love seeing things like this ignite my husband's passion for music again. Oh, and hot take, every corn album belongs in the canon. No questions asked, fire emoji. <laughs> Whoa. Very wow. hot take. You know Very what? hot take. There's a lot of passion right, right there from JRuss777. We're, we're igniting her husband's passion. And then she's got a passion for telling us that every corn album, every single one, even the dubstep one that we haven't, we're not even close to getting to yet. She says, put it in. It's pretty wild. Thank you, JRuss777. Uh, we also have some Family Values 99 feedback. We sure do. Over on Facebook, Timothy John Henderson says, I had this Family Values growing up, and it was the one that hit me right at my new Metal Prime. I'm out of sorts due to the lack of Primus love. I would have thought that you guys would be in line with the funky, evil, hard, and slinky boys. Guys, Fizzle Fry is one of the most impressive debut albums ever. For real. Hashtag get on that. Okay. Elric says, when I hear the Primus tracks, all I imagine is a bunch of funky Kens in the mosh pit. <laughs> everybody, everybody orders anybody order something funky. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's a lot of funky Kens in one place. Not moshing, not even dancing, just stretching out their long legs and doing slow struts, wearing Dr. Seuss, hat, Dr. Seuss hats, each with their own bass as they're playing along with Les Play. play ugh, with Les Claypool, third best bass solo of all time. And everyone in attendance is looking on in respect, letting them do their thing. That's an wow. incredible visual. Yeah. My God. Funky Ken is dressed like Jaco Pistorius, circa 1984 Montreux Jazz Festival. Apparently Look so. it up. I'm going to have to. I was yeah. like, all right. I believe you. All right, Duke Cannon says, I remember being upset by the bill. I never understood why Primus and Filter were on the bill, but as I got older, I realized that this was Fred's Family Values Tour, and the record label was trying to lump Primus into new metal with their album Anti-Pop, and what better way to do that than to put them on this tour? These were the kind of bands Fred liked, so yeah, it's going to look a little different than the year before. I'm thankful, though, because this CD introduced me to Filter, and they have been one of my favorite bands since. Yeah. Another Filthy. Another Filthy. Filthies unite. Ronnie Neely says, I still stand by my assertion that you guys should review Sailing the Seas of Cheese as a potential Papa album. The guys from Corn Olympus Biscuit are heavily quoted as being inspired by Primus. Plus, the go and drop in Jerry Was a Race Car Driver is an obvious inspiration for Corn's go and drop in Freak on a Leash. I completely agree with Lauren. Thank you. About only liking the singles and disliking their full albums, except for Seas of Cheese. That whole record is pretty straightforward with tons of catchy bass riffs. Lauren must have been thinking of Pork Soda for the album he heard because that one only has the one major single while Cheese has Jerry and Tommy the Cat. I think you are right. Ronnie also follows up and says, Secretly, I just want an entire episode of Funky Ken. Yeah, did somebody order something funky? Ronnie did. Yeah, baby. <laughs> well, Sheldon says, regarding DTE fries, delicious. 
and I didn't share a single one. Also, I think kids bop may be child slavery. Oh, shit. Could be. Uh, on topic, Family Values 99 was my first concert. I'd recently gotten introduced to Corn and Limp Biscuit by a couple friends in high school. We went to Van Andel in Grand Rapids and was lucky enough to see Corn perform. I don't remember much about the sequence of bands, but do know that the stained... That Stain performed and Aaron Lewis is a strange dude. Both Corn and Limp Bizkit killed and I saw Limp Bizkit two or three times after this as I was hooked. Kind of bittersweet though as I also got an MIP that night and end up having to sit out part of my senior basketball season. Family values, SMH. True. Oh boy. Win some, lose some that night. Scott Bolane said, great episode. Thank you, Scott. Shouts to Scott once again today as we record this episode, though by the time you hear it, it'll have been up for a little bit. He has posted his uh, episode of Good Company for Bowling, Good Company with Bowling on YouTube in which he is wearing the Roach Coach tee as he introduces the segment in which Head and Morgan from Seven Dust and the gentleman from Fozzie, I apologize, I don't, I don't remember his name, uh, uh, Chris oh, Jericho is not Chris Jericho. Oh. <laughs> another gentleman. Uh, they all talk about their favorite '80s metal albums. Hmm. Uh, but Scott is rocking the Roach, repping the Roach up top. Thank you very much. I watched it, and it was okay. f- fucking awesome. If you've got an hour plus, you got to go watch it. And the reason, and, and I even left a comment. I don't fucking comment on YouTube videos because. It can just go south so fast, but nobody else had commented, so I'm I'm, I'm hoping for the best. <laughs> uh, but it's just pretty awesome to watch these three guys, and this is my comment, the, the three guys who have pretty much sold out coast to coast, played huge shows. They geek out for an hour and a half about 80s metal and how important it was to them. And I could listen to that stuff all day. It, if you love music talk, and finding out uh, the influences behind some of your favorite artists, go to uh, Good Company with Bowling. That is what it is, right? I didn't fuck that up. Nope, you got that exactly right. Um, Yes. yes. Uh, Alan Smock said, Is this the longest intro bit you have ever done? Started listening to this on my way to work, and then continued on my drive home. Can't wait to hear the first song tomorrow morning. I can't believe you didn't (laughs) fast forward us, Alan. You're a I, true gentleman. I appreciate it. Um, I believe our longest intro we've ever done is the episode 100, where we basically read just a ton of nice things about ourselves for an hour. So that's going to be the that's the one to top. Yeah, we're nothing if not humble. Uh, yeah. Heard from Austin again. He says, I think I remember MTV reporting that Insane Clown Posse was supposed to be on this bill. Too, which led to an ICP and corn feud. Can you imagine a world where a system of a down and ICP both played Family Values 99? Also, just thought you should know that Motionless and White did this cover a few years ago. Um, and this is a cover of Du Hast on Punk Goes 90s Volume 2. Indeed. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, I listened to this. Um, they gave it the old college try. But, you know, you can't you can't outdo the boys in the Stein. You can't do it. Their Lincoln Park cover was pretty good, though. Oh, I didn't. Oh, which song did they cover? I didn't hear I that didn't one. I want to see Crawling. Okay. I could see that working for them a little bit better. Jeffrey Thomas says, oh, boy, ICP talk. Yes, after <laughs> delivering the line on May 1999's Amazing Jekyll Brothers, fuck Palooza, big festivals, will never sell out with you bitch-ass hoes. 
ICP proceeded to play Woodstock 99 not two months later. They did not even pretend they weren't going back wholly on what they said, offering the explanation, hey, they said they'd pay us $100,000. We grew up poor. Of course, we're going to play whatever show for $100,000. Figuring in for a penny, in for a pound, rumors began that they were signed to appear on the Snowcore and Family Values Tour, but those never panned out. Instead, they put on their own festival in Novi, Michigan, the first of the now 18-year-strong annual gathering of the Juggalos. What's weird was they were even cons- they were ever considered for family values, considering ICP had been dissing corn regularly, including this January '99 radio appearance on Detroit's 105.1 The Edge, in which they did a corn diss called "I'm Gonna Cry." Boy, oh boy! So if I'm to understand this timeline correctly, guys, because of family values, we have the gathering of the Juggalos. Whoa. The universe is nothing if not abundant with gifts. Truly. Wow. You all have a gift now in your inboxes on your cellular phones. <laughs> I just saw that. As I have located. It wasn't 1984. It was 1982. But we'll have to post this picture as well. As this was what I believe Funky Ken would look like in rear profile. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think you nailed the look. Jenny, I'm sorry. Um, Oh, I'm pissed. Uh, We got one more comment here. Uh, Mike Coverluck says, filthy for life, baby. All right, let me test out my 20-year-old memories again. Pretty sure that the Pittsburgh lineup for this was Stained Opening, Crystal Method, Mob Deep, and Jaw Rule. Ugh. Filter, then LB. Also pretty sure we were the opening date. Setlist FM shows us one day ahead of Auburn Hills, but also has a random Chicago date three days before us. Filter being secondary headliner, the pop you, the pop you had during the title record was fireworks. The pop you heard. Oh, the pop you heard. Okay, got it, got it. Uh, not nearly as many as Rammstein in that slot, but still impressive to see them as a full-on arena act compared to all the other times I've seen Filter in clubs, both earlier and later in their career. Crystal Method had to smoke machines for the lighting so heavy you literally couldn't see the people next to you. In fairness, I was on the crowd barrier front row. It was a solid show and there were great parts to it. It was likely the best filter performance I've seen and even Stained Live has more punch and less ho-hum whining. But Stained is no orgy of the first year and the rap act couldn't hold a candle to Ice Cube with a full-size monolith of himself. It felt very rushed and split into two 15-minute sets. Plus, Ja Rule is awful. Uh, Murder. Yeah. Uh, Crystal Method was beyond cool, and I totally had Vegas back in the day. But again, LB was the number two spot in 98, so it just doesn't really compare. So you're left with Filter, which was great, but less fireworks and fake butt sex and LB, which even if you want to put them over corn, you already know that the which even if you want to put over corn you already had in the first place unfortunately the new metal math on family values 99 is all subtraction whoa wow wow thank you for that thank Thank you you. thank Thank you you. i always love to hear from people there on the floor you know what was it like and apparently barricade yeah man they're at the barricade and they're like this jaw rule set not great not enjoying it was anyone ever excited to see Ja Rule? Like I I I mean I was like probably I was the perfect age for consuming pop music when Ja Rule was popular. 
And I don't remember anybody actually thinking Ja Rule was like cool. Like it seemed like he was a, I mean, I was like a white suburban teen. So I don't know. He had hits there for a minute. He had hits. Yeah. But were people like, he's cool or did he just have hits? He was, he had, oh, I'm sorry, Matt, go ahead. He had, he had that moment where he was like heavy and hardcore, like holla, holla, like that song kind of presented him as like a real thug, a real like fucking kind of West Coast style. I, I know that, hold it, he's from the South, isn't he? He's from New York. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's, the 90s were very confusing. Uh, but he, he had very much like this hardcore style. And then he put on a whole bunch of pop records with Ashanti. Mm-hmm. And it was like, game over. That's uh well these are these are where I can make money. Yeah, I remember when I was in college was when the Ashanti J Lo collaborations were really at their peak. And then he had an album, I wanna say two thousand one, that was really popular, like Living It Up, I think was the song. I remember it was getting played okay. on TV like every hour, and I remember going to parties and hearing it a lot. And yeah, I'd say Ja Rule was just this ubiquitous guy that people in general liked. He was also on Can I Get a, which was a very good debut. True. So, um, but then 50 Cent came along and 50 Cent killed his career dead within moments. I, I, I could say like Ja Rule in like fall of 2001, huge. 50 Cent comes out, Ja Rule by summer of 2002 is done, done, he's over. I forgot all about in the clubs was kind of like in the club and Wankster was like it leveled everything. There's yeah, it's pre it's pre Fifty Cent and post Fifty Cent. I mean yeah, because after that you just heard in the club and Fifty Cent songs, you know, pretty much consistently for the next two years, and then he deads himself by uh, doing Candy Shop, and that's that. And then Ye mm-hmm. takes over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe and Fifty Cent is Ja Rule's nine eleven. He is. I think you he nailed is. that. Yeah, <laughs> that absolutely, hundred percent accurate. <laughs> that is it. Well, that is it for who's tweeting and who's dead and whose career. Keep on saying hello online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're all Roach Coach there, or send us a email at roachcoachpodcast at gmail dot com. And of course, go keep going, leaving us those five star reviews on iTunes. We appreciate it. You guys, let's talk about it. It's the album of the week, Supercharger by Machine Head. Jenny, when did this album come out? This album was released on October 2nd, 2001. That is fresh come down. Come down. Indeed. This one was, uh, I would say, you know what? 9-11 killed this album. I'd say more than any album we've done. This one really felt it. Yeah, this one... Greater losses were suffered. But sure, absolutely. This album was also. <laughs> this album went down, yeah, as well. Um, Jenny, history was supercharged. Oh, terrible, <laughs> awful. Uh, I no, no history with supercharger whatsoever. I'm not even sure that I've ever seen this in a used bin. Like I, I had no idea this was a record. Lauren, how about you? So I uh, had this album. I basically got it on release day. I had uh, I was in college my sophomore year, 
and I sent a list to my parents of CDs I wanted them to pick up for me to bring up for Parent <laughs> Weekend. They brought up a big stack of CDs for me, which included System of a Down, which included Sloan Pretty Together, Ben Folds 5, Rock in the Suburbs, and this album, because I was still on that burning red high. And I said, give me that new machine head. And I remember listening to it a couple times. And at that point, though, the strokes had started to come around. I'm getting into the white stripes. I'm getting into a lot of that stuff. Also, this Ben Folds record is changing my life. Mm. And so I was not feeling this machine head record. kind of went to the wayside. And my friends, I eventually sold it back to the store. <laughs> wow. I'm pretty sure I sold it to re- record time. Oh shit! Well, maybe so, I just so Jenny, it. if you didn't see it in the used bin, it's because somebody else snatched it up, and so I had to do something—a first for the show. I rebought this album, big thrifted it once again, got it from World of Books USA on eBay for six dollars and forty-two cents. So I have it back right. in my collection. Matt Nas history with Supercharger. Um, I don't think it's going to come as a surprise that this one missed me. <laughs> yeah. Most machine heads have missed me. I didn't even know about the burning red. To be honest. Oh, yeah, Matt. And any, any history with, so no history with machine head at all? No. Um, it's only this show that has brought me closer to the machine head. Okay. All right. Genre tags, Jenny. Just new metal. Just new metal. That's the Pro- only one on there. Yeah, producer on this record, someone we've seen before, but not recently, Jenny. That's Johnny K. Johnny, Johnny K. That's the K. sickness. That's the sickness. That's that right. is Finger Eleven. Whoa. Uh, yeah, uh, that is No One. That is Mushroom Head XIII. <laughs> that is three doors down 17 days that was the name of that album oh yeah he's the guy he just does like every uh every uh finger 11 album they just call him up they say johnny yeah. get that k over here also some drowning pool and uh some stained so he's got uh quite a bit of new metal in his resume of course, The Sickness, one of his uh, true highlights of his career and of our lives. Uh, Je- Jenny, who's in uh, Who's in uh, Machine Head on this album? On this album, we have Rob Flynn on vocals and rhythm guitar, Adam Deuce on bass, Dave McLean on drums, and new addition to the crew here, Aru Luster on lead guitar. So this is our boy who goes on to uh, be the lead guitarist for El Nino. Mm. But he uh, he joins Machine Head for this album. And then he exits after this album. Well, so. I mean, we'll hear yeah. it. Are yeah. we burying the lead? Uh, no. Nah, I don't Man, think so. Nah. Nah. You know where this was recorded, though. I was very surprised to see where it was recorded. The Indigo Ranch. Holy crap. We've returned home. We've returned home. So they must have maintained a pretty decent relationship with Ross. 
because they, uh, of course, recorded the Burning Red there. Mm-hmm. Came back to do Supercharger. Indeed, indeed. This album was released on October 2nd. It uh, was not a commercial success. In comparison, The Burning Red sold 134,000 copies. Supercharger sold 45,000 copies to date. So Holy shit. Yes. So it was uh, considered a bit of a failure. And it actually also, uh, because it failed, they were dropped by Roadrunner uh, US. So they were still being carried by Roadrunner around the world. But in the US, they had no label. And on subsequent albums, Through the Ashes of Empires, they put that album out just in Europe, and it blew up. And Roadrunner US had to come crawling back and say, we're sorry. We're sorry we dropped you, Rob. We're sorry we dropped you, Robert. As he goes by in the liner notes here, he's going by Robert. Oh, that's right. We fucked up. I'd like to issue a correction. Uh, I misspoke. This was... Aru Luster left after this album. He appeared on The Burning Red. If you recall, he was blamed for the rap rock sound. Mm. I forgot about that. That's on me. We all make mistakes. It's all right. Some might say, like, making this album. Ooh. Well, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. I just uh, said some. I know. Some. Got him. Uh, there's him. two. Re- oh, sorry, Matt. Got him. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, there's We're fucking around <laughs> so hard. There's uh, two reviews on uh, on uh, Wikipedia here. One from All Music, who gave it two and a half out of five, and Blabbermouth.net, they gave it an eight out of ten. So we have a lot of different uh, takes on this thing. So I think I think we're pretty much ready to dive in. And just check this record out. See, I mean, here's the thing. The reputation, not great. My previous history with this album, I sold it back. How am I feeling now? How's everyone feeling? Let's find out. Let's find out. Uh, The first track is called Declaration. And this is just a fun little intro. All right, should I just get to the second song? Real quick, imagine you've picked this album up on October 2nd, 2001, (laughs) and this is what you hear. Oof. Uh, Yeah, so up next. (laughs) Now, let's just talk about that for a second. Roach Coach is pro-Siren. Oh, I was delighted to hear a siren. This was before I listened to this before I did research, and I was like, ooh, a siren. I'm thinking Ice Pick. Oh, me too. I'm thinking onward to victory. (laughs) Hell yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I was like, when this is done, I'm listening to Ice Pig. I knew you were going to. (laughs) Oh yeah, but I hadn't actually thought about it in the context of this being October 2nd. Dang, (laughs) that's too fucking bad. Rough timing, bro. (laughs) That's too bad. I mean, I'm just imagining them recording this thing that summer and they're just like, we're going to have a siren and then I'm going to say, in times of peace, there will be war. Ah, it's going to be so hot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was. It is. But it was just too too soon. 
All right. Well, let's see where they go from here. Up next, we've got Bulldozer. So the chorus doesn't come until two minutes in. It's a little it's got bit a... rough. I'm going to fast forward to it just okay. so I get it. Did I miss it? No, no. That was basically it. All right. It was just like a big old riff and some screaming. I believe that was the chorus. That was my best guess. Here's the thing. As you will find as we get through this album, Rob loves an ad lib. Rob loves a protracted intro to get everybody fucking pumped. It's constantly getting (laughs) people fucking pumped. Rob also has some wild lyrics on this record. Oh, what did you say to me in your text, Jenny? Rob was on one with this album. He really was. (laughs) I have to say, uh, a lyric from this song, Matt, I think you're going to like this Get one. Get ready. No one can break these nuts. These lips ain't kissing butts. <laughs> <laughs> Kiss my fingers. I am pointing to the skies because that is a home run, baby. There's a line right before that one. Trust our guts. Follow our hearts. No one can break these nuts. These lips ain't kissing butts. So we got that, that T, that Uts rhyme there. I love it. Yeah. I bet they work oh. backwards from kissing butts. <laughs> Just the writing process for it. They were like, uh, I want to make sure that we're ending with I'm not kissing no butts. All right. What else? Uh, if that's true, then what else is true? Uh, n- n- uh, I don't eat no nuts. Yeah. Uh, you don't eat them, but let's not talk about eating nuts. Uh, yeah. I don't eat no nuts. Yeah. Either. It's, it's 2001. I'm, I'm never in a ruts. <laughs> I don't get stuck in ruts. Right, that's good. Um, I like the show Guts. Oh, who doesn't? Oh, the aggro crag. Oh, Come man. on. Um, hey, you guys, it's that. Johnny in the booth. Um, we just got out. We're, we're, we're renting this uh, this Indigo Ranch by the hour, so if we can just, you know, figure out how to rhyme this. Can I just can I just give my quick uh, quick two cents there? Yeah, Johnny, what's, what is it? Uh, you know what? You guys, you guys don't break your nuts ever. Just going to point that out. 
Just oh, point shit, that yeah. Out. Don't break no one. nuts. Yeah. So if that I helps. Like combing mutts. That's a good one. <laughs> I love a good <laughs> mutt comb. I'm sorry, Aru. You got to quit the band. Fine, I'll open my dog grooming business. Oh, uh, much better. <laughs> Songmeanings.com. A hotbed of controversy. A hotbed of people agreeing and disagreeing on this band, on this album, on new metal. We're going to get into it. Jenny, did you have a favorite comment? Because there's, there's a lot of wild ones here. You know, there was one I really liked, and, and now I have to find it. Why don't you read which one you like? Okay. Well, uh, an old friend of the show, Quiff Porn, showed up. Quiff Porn! And they said, I love this song. <laughs> I said, they, I, I love this song. Nothing flashy, just good hard rock. This is so good to go mental and jump about to on the dance floor. Yeah. So we know one club that was not playing some Ja Rule yeah, <laughs> in that's 2001. True. They were playing uh, a little bit of this. I found the one I liked. Okay. This is from Hated Enemy. Mm. Very. <laughs> you are my hated enemy. <laughs> Number one enemy. Yeah. Another Johnny K joint there. Mm. Um. Very, very cool song. I thought I was in for a mindless mosh fest when I saw the title of the track, but damn, it rocks hard and it's got some depth. Very inspirational lyrics and nice use of the bulldozer as a symbol. The bulldozer in this song serves as kind of a hero. The singer encourages us to be like a bulldozer, even though the bulldozer isn't heroic in the typical sense. It's a self-serving machine, but it is brutally efficient at what it does, and there's nothing to stop it. And I think that's the core message of this song, to never back down from odds and challenge yourself. Real PMA spin from Hated Enemy. Not what I was expecting. Not at all. He's got that PMA. Got that PMA. There's some NMA and PMA on this album yeah uh there's one other comment i liked from zycloned leviathan who said this song appears to be a machine head's intolerance for any pathetic son of a bitch that dares to stand in their way bulldozer crushes all i know they're a metal band a bloody awesome one at that but that kind of take no bullshit attitude is pure rock and roll I'm addicted to this song because it sounds like emo kids being crushed to death under the caterpillar tracks of Machine Head's Unstoppable War Machine. So Flynn and company are the bulldozer. Their music could kill a Christina Aguilera fan at 20 paces and God willing that may happen sooner or later. Okay, I'm just babbling now. But Machine Head are the greatest U.S. band since Metallica. Wow. Zyclone Leviathan coming in, huh? That is that is indeed coming in hot. All right. All right. Up next, we've got a song called White Knuckle Blackout.
Matt, if you can go to 220. 220, my friend, you got it. And kapow. Adrenaline is my fuel when I have an obstacle to climb. Adrenaline is the lubrication focus in my mind. Adrenaline's telling me when someone's thinking they're too cool to raise my middle fingers up and say, fuck you. Adrenaline is my fuel when I have an obstacle to climb. Adrenaline is the lubrication focus in my mind. Adrenaline's telling me when someone's thinking they're too cool to raise my middle fingers up and say, fuck you. Adrenaline is fuel in my mind. I focus my son. Reaction involved in the challenge. Provoked out of you. Adrenaline fight. I feel you want to fight. I feel the fight. But I fuck you. If I didn't activate the pit before, the, the pit would have activated on that drop. All right. We got a pit activated. We got Robbie Jenny. Roberts Jenny. back. Jenny, that was, that was new metal as fuck. It is. It is. How do you feel about it? I Not great. Not great? It's it so much to me took me back to listening to the Burning Red where like it's so corny. I think it just doesn't fit with my expectation of Machine Head. Mm. Like I'm expecting more of like heavy groove. That's what I'm expecting. So when I hear, and this is just totally on me. Like when I hear Rob Flynn rap, I'm like, the fuck? It's like if you were like, you knew somebody for a super long time and they like, usually like just wore like a t-shirt and jeans and then one day you saw them and they were like in full leather like what the fuck are you doing like even if it looked cool it'd be a shock Mm. this is what i think like it's just so weird to hear that it's just so fucking corny it still sounds like teen witch rapping to me Mm. um but it is super new metal so what do you think does this sound corny to you yeah lauren top that yeah, Lauren. Oh, boy. Well, let me tell you, I'm still in recovery <laughs> yeah. from Jenny pointing out the, the uh, <laughs> Teen Witch comparisons to that and Rob Flynn's rapping. What is interesting about it is that Rob Flynn loves to do this. And having heard, if you just had the burning red, and that was the only time he ever did this, then it would be like, okay, just an experimentation. But he does on this album, and then... You know, whatever the album fails, he tables it. They didn't do anything that sounds like this for a long time. And then they did the Catharsis album. And once again, he's getting all new metal. He's getting all rappy again. Rob loves doing this. And I think for me, that's the appeal a bit is that he's having a great time when he's doing it. And he, he thinks he's crushing it. And for me, I feel that excitement. But I see what you mean, and that seems to be also the the common issue with Machine Head fans, is that they love Machine Head, but they don't love all the choices that Rob makes all the time. And the thing is, is that this isn't even the most egregious moment like this on the album. We got some stuff coming up. We do. We got some stuff coming up. But uh, for me, I wrote in my notes, this is a hot one. The boys are rocking. You know, it's very new metal, which is why I'm here. Matt Nas, how'd you feel about it? You know, um, I'm glad that you took us to that that um that kind of build and drop, the loud, quiet, loud um drop. It is dated. It does work. 
and I want to hear more. Ooh, there you have it. Before we get to more, I do want to mention one comment on songmeanings.com from the commenter, only the names, who said, all caps, rock and fucking roll, motherfuckers. Wow. With 12 O's, stay metal and keep it real, metal fingers. Wow. I am okay. I am upvoting that. Yeah, <laughs> I am upvoting that. It's a top that's that's great. Great great comment. All right. Up next we have the single from this album, Crashing Around You. An unfortunate title. I am your nightmares, true scares. That dream when you can't stop from falling. Can't fight, can't run, can't stop the person you Jenny, oh, Jenny, thoughts on crashing around you? Uh, again, I think it's corny, but it's like it's. I feel like it's exact. It's exactly what I would expect from a band in two thousand one. Like I feel like they're doing what they came to do. It's just very corny to me. Mm-hmm. I also can't get over the fact. So this was released in September of two thousand one. And it's called Crashing Around You. And the video, which I did watch, <laughs> yes. shows a burning skyscraper. But this was like before 9-11. But then um, MTV pulled the video, even though it was like one of the most added songs on like modern rock stations. It just failed to take off because of the timing. The video is like a, it, it gives me a real Sweating Bullets vibe. Oh, yeah. Um, so I mean it's just like a person kind of like dealing with their inner demons but this young man's inner demon happens to be Rob Flynn yelling at him from a mirror (laughs) and then he circles a lot of stuff on the wall that's like bad boy or something and then they show a burning skyscraper so uh I I'm having a hard time with with Rob Flynn's vocals a little bit in this too Hmm. like the the more like the anthemic pieces, the chorus, like I don't know. I I feel like I can see what they're going for, but it just something about it just sounds off to me. What do you guys think? Um, it's interesting how this one song title aside, well, I not even saying like this song in yeah, sept- September 1st, 2001 is like a no duh single for this album. Like honestly, as an entry point, 
I think it makes the most sense. It has, and also for radio, it's not super aggressive. It's clean. The yeah. production is tight. Exactly. Uh, it, um, and it has a big, yeah, like you said, anthemic chorus. It all makes sense. But then it has, yeah, this crashing around you. Rough, rough thing to name the song. Then the first lyric, I am your nightmares, true scares, that dream when you can't stop falling. Like, it all, <laughs> man, just the timing, the timing Awful. really did it in. Really did it in. I mean, it's the thing is that it's Rob, once again, super emotional, giving 100%. Uh, so, you know, and I mean, I'm a sucker for a big anthemic chorus, and... I uh, so I was I was on board. I don't think this is um not my favorite song on the album, but uh, I understand it as a, as a single. Matt Nas, this definitely is a tip of the hat to our sweet Papa in Faith No More and their song Epic, because hmm. hmm. this stylistically the chorus I think on Epic is a lot stronger. But uh, the Mike pa- Mike Patton esque style of rhyming that he takes on with the verses uh, really just kind of hit me on this. I-, I think I think everything around the timing is woefully sad because it it is an anthemic rock song in an era of anthemic rock songs. You know, like this would have fit in just fine on modern rock radio. But nobody wants to hear a song called "Crashing Around You." <sighs> no, no, they don't. No, after, no. after September 11th. All right. All right. Well, that <laughs> up good times, out. rock and roll. You know what? Let's pick up the pace here. Let's listen to a song called "Kick You When You're Down." Well, there it is. <laughs> Um, I was just listening to one of the hardest songs I've heard in a while. Then all of a sudden, uh, they said, uh, kick you when you're down. <laughs> and it didn't sound like the song that I was listening to. Yeah, a defeatist ghost showed up. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds so haunted in there. <laughs> <laughs> And then just right back in. But then, yeah, I, I got to appreciate that. But yeah, he kind of mildly changes us and uh, then gets back into it. I think at around, maybe I can't, I don't, I can't remember. I think it maybe had been like about two and a half minutes in. There's this whole part about having to trust in yourself, believe in yourself, uh, which I really love. 
I'm going to see if I... I'm going to go to 2.30 and just check it. Always kick you when you're dead. Always kick you when you're dead. And don't you let that you Oh, yeah, it's right here. Graduate graduates, I would like to introduce your commencement speaker, Mr. Robert Flynn. Overcome, improve, endure. Sounds like a, I don't know, it's like the bad slogan. Song. Yeah, or like the slogan of like a Muay Thai gym or something. <laughs> Let me tell you, play this song in the Muay Thai gym. You'll you'll learn. You'll learn some moves. Learn that defensive posture. You have to trust in yourself. You must believe in yourself. You have to follow your heart. Have we ever heard an album in this 160 plus episodes where someone said sincerely, you have to follow your heart? No. No. And that's, (laughs) I, I will, I do agree with you on your point that like Rob Flynn is like doing what he wants to do and he's loving it. And I think it's very charming this song was funny to me. It's just these songs, a lot of them are just all over the place. Oh, this is the previous song is like all about like self-loathing. You're your own worst enemy. You're fighting against your vices and your fears and and you think you've overcome it, but it's there and it's going to crash around you. And then on this song, it's like you got to trust in yourself. Follow your heart. Believe in your dreams. Get up. And she's like, oh, I was so low and now I'm so high. So, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, he's not wallowing. He gives you like a wallowing track and he's like, no, 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 time to get up. Let's kick some walls down. Let's fucking do this shit. Songmeanings.com, classic comment from Johnny Boy 789 who said, why has no one else commented? It's an awesome song. And then Braille to the Night said, because the meaning is quite obvious. Well, that settles that. That settles that. Oh, I didn't even see this comment. Then then Braille to the night then left his own comment saying, an anthem for the determined. There you go. There you have it. Love to hear it. All right. Up next is Only the Names. So, Matt. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, that riff doesn't kick in until 45 seconds. So, if you just want to bump it. Yeah, baby, it sure (laughs) doesn't. Oh, boy. Where have you been? I've been outside your bushes. This change in weather is really fucking me up. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've been worried about you. I'm worried about me, too. Well, Prowlar. Yeah. I got to tell you, you just got to follow your heart. All right? That's what we're learning from Rob Flynn. So, if you just follow your heart. uh, there's two people I follow. One of them is Rob Flynn, and the other one is is a uh, HR from Bad Brains. 
Oh, yeah, no, that's good. Good. Yeah, so, um, it is, um, anybody else tasting, like, metal? Uh-huh. Oh, we oh, need, cool. we got a pronunciation coming up we got to listen to. Gotta go. What's your name, my friend? My name's the same. What a strange coincidence. <laughs> what? Coincidence. Coincidence? <laughs> I mean... I mean... That... <laughs> I've never heard it pronounced that way. I've never heard it pronounced that way. Now, we're presupposing the word he's going for in our hearing of it is coincidence. To to look at the word, you'd pronounce it coincidence. I have the lyrics in front of me because when I heard it, I said, maybe I misheard. Maybe song meanings has the wrong lyrics. That word as written is coincidence. But it is coincidence as pronounced here is what a coincidence is right two things coinciding there you go so maybe we're the asshole i mean i'm definitely (laughs) the asshole a lot of the time uh all right we can go we can go back and we can get to that chorus we can get to that chorus okay (laughs) (laughs) matt's headphones leapt from his head So this song seems to be about doing math. Yeah, just a lot of... uh, uh, This is a heavy one from the point of view of the drug. Saying in, hey man, take a tiny blast and a crease of foil. Goosebumps prickle your skin just enough to dig the hooks in. Can make you high, make you feel invincible, but now you're hollow. Crawling on the floor, you'll be back for more. This one's a heavy one. This is a dark one. Jenny, what'd you think? I thought it was all right. A little bit of an atmospheric boy. I thought I was getting changed a bit at the top, but, you know, I'm very sensitive to that. So You are. You are. Oh, sidetrack real quick. So, Jenny, you went home. You told, and I assume played for Sweet Mitchell, the wonderful message you received from Scooter of Cold for yes. your wedding. And then Mitch's response to you was... To chains you via he shirt. Chains me. Yeah, he uh, he he bid on an Alice in Chains shirt on eBay, and that was like immediately the next thing that happened. I played it for him. He laughed, and then he had an Alice in Chains shirt. And I was like, Ah, why? <laughs> wow, what a twist! He on also that got a an Orville Redenbacher shirt that says "Popcorn Lover." That one. That one's class. Yeah, felt less offensive to me, but that's good. That's it was good. a really dramatic day in the the Bloomer Sosha household. Songmeanings.com commenter Diamond Eyed said, "This song is about meth. 
As an occasional user and ex-addict, this song is as close to a true and honest explanation of the effects as you'll ever come across. Oh, wow. Yes. A speed rush you will exhale, the goose pimples prickle your skin just enough to dig the hooks in, is saying how good it is at first, back for that sweet poison so soon again, but that lie must end, I must collect for those pleasures gave, is saying that it was all a ruse and the drug only ever wanted you addicted. If someone could tell me of any other songs which speak so true of the effects of meth, I'd be glad to listen to them. Sounds to me like Diamond Eyed is about to make his own podcast all about meth songs. Hey, why not? Hey, yeah. All right, up next, All in Your Head. think so it's a whiff of butt but it's overpowered by the new metal of it all like the new metal of this song that first verse febreze is the butt away i must be a butt hound because <laughs> oh me i'm part butt hound thank you very much oh, oh. i certainly got a whiff of butt but it um but the the new metal of that first verse uh rob just coming in with some rap hands. I'm here for that. I've, 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 I could, the moment that he started that verse, I said, oh, this is divisive. This is this is for me, but not for everybody else. Yeah, that, that chorus is incredibly smooth, right on that butt barrier. The butt barrier. The classic butt barrier. I guess that's the barrier. elastic band. It's, that, it's, the, what's, it's what Jenny has often said, the hint of crack. Like you that's see... It. A darkness, a shadow, but you don't know if it's that, you know, just the shadow of the elastic or if it's actual crack. Because you don't know how big somebody's butt crack is. Hmm. How big the butt crack is. The crack wasn't that big on this one, but no. it was definitely there. We know about it, but we couldn't see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, we can smell it, though. But yeah, I, I think alternate timeline. 9-11 doesn't happen. First of all, great. Second of all, 
this is the second single. Hmm. I can totally see that with where modern rock radio is in 2001. Yeah. Yeah. But those, the, that is exactly a 2001. Cause it's like harder than Nickelback, but not inaccessible to a post grunge fan. No. Yeah. I, uh, really, really like this one. Also these Rob ad libs. I just love it. It makes the whole album feel more live than obviously like they're not recording this live you know they're recording these tracks all separately but these ad-libs all make it seem like rob's just in the studio listening to everybody riff up and he's just like yeah that that part's awesome oh we got some guitars over there yeah let's do this and it just gets me more excited that's the thing rob's so excited his excitement is taking me on this ride so anything like whips a butt I'm, i'm like fine it's just a smell that i'm encountering but it's no big deal. It's just a smell. Just a smell. I'm encountering. <laughs> oh. Exactly the commentary <laughs> any band would desire from a reviewer. Sure. Uh, all right. Up next, we've got American High. We gotta get to that chorus. Worm in here? Yeah, we gotta get. <laughs> yes, we gotta get that chorus. was that uh, yeah this song it, buddy you were living for it but it it wrecked my spirit that uh I'll, I'll wait for matt to put his headphones back on he took him off he took i mean i thought you were gonna disrobe completely matt you seem so crestfallen by that chorus it took a, it took some it took something out of me I, it, but, yeah. we're doing fine i mean it's 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 you know, I mean, it's the uh, this is what rock and roll gave to us, baby, type of song. But like when we get to that chorus, I am just assaulted with corniness. It's corny. It's fucking corny. And Rob Flynn's like a dude. You know what I mean? Like he's 
an archetype. He's like, yes, he's very manly. He's a fucking dude. Like, I'm not gonna mess with Rob Flynn. And then he gives me, we're in the basement. Yeah. You know, one thing we didn't talk about that I would like to revert back to a little bit is Rob's look in yes. the, uh, the Crashing Around You video. <laughs> Holy fuck, does that guy look like he's in 2001. It's insane. Do you have uh, a picture? I can certainly get one of those for you. I could probably do the same. Uh, he's got... He's got a headband on. Yeah, and he's wearing like a weird leather shirt or something. And his goatee is just bonkers. Uh, let's see if I can find. See, I'm looking at this picture of Rob Flynn from, I don't even know when, but he's got long hair and ice beard. Oh, that's that's Rob Flynn I, really ever since. If you look at the video they made for the next album, he immediately grew his hair out grew his beard and then that's basically been his look he's just been long-haired rob flynn ever since Ugh. well he should just keep that here's a little preview of wow he looks oh his look is something else i mean to be fair at this time i had like barrel curled bangs so like you and, know I'm, and i'm bald af so it's I mean. just a really uh Intense I would look. Uh, we're talking looks. Two thousand one. I am still doing that move where you gel it down front, but then when you get to the front, you pop these bad boys up. Oh, so do it's... you have any pictures of that? Oh yeah, I got some pictures around. All right, yeah. I need to see those. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> not right now, but okay. just like eventually. Uh, yeah, I got uh, I got those. I mean, that was that was the look I got. Like, I want to say two or three months before I graduated high school and I was like, finally, my look. And then I rocked it all through college. And then right after college, uh, people were like, hey, maybe don't do that anymore. And I was like, oh, is this not a you good You don't want me anymore? to look like Seth Green for the Cha-Ching Rallies commercial? <laughs> what? Is this, not, is this not cool anymore? Uh, so, yeah, I um, this is the Rob Flint origin story of how basically he started the band. Um Honestly, versus killer. Love it. I'm all about it. Hearing about how he's drinking 40s under the bleachers and getting home late and too drunk to skate and acting a fool. All right, great. Get to that chorus. Act a fool. Don't need to be cool. And immediately, this song becomes uh, Steve Buscemi on 30 Rock. Hello, fellow youths. Like... Ah, uh, like this act a fool don't need to be cool. Like I don't know. That's that's just Mama said to stay in school. <laughs> Drugs are for fools. Mm, yeah, I agree. It's, it it takes yeah. a turn. This album is weird in that way because there's a lot of stuff that you hear and you're like, okay, like yeah. this sounds pretty sweet, and then it's just like the corniness factor just turns way up yeah this uh this song also has the most interesting comment section um where people really get into it um i wrote down a ton that i really liked um the first is from hunger for more who said damn these lyrics are the definition 
or however it is spelled, they did not spell it correctly, of what new metal is, stupid teenage school lyrics, sad face. So then that led to a comment from Chamberman, who said, only reason Machine Head released Bernie Red Supercharger was because Roadrunner said they wanted short, radio-friendly songs. They tried, and as you can see, they do it badly. The meaning of this song is basically Robin his high school years. Yeah. Now, that was interesting that he said short, radio-friendly songs because uh, we haven't gotten into length yet, but a lot of these songs are pretty long. They're so long. This song's almost four minutes. Most of the songs are around four. There are a couple of songs that are just a little more than three minutes, but most of them are at least four. So there's a lot more comments where people talk about how much they hate this album. They hate the burning red. You know, they sh- these uh, these songs should be these albums should be excised from the discography. Da 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 da. At one point, commenter Deco says basically cites some songs that he likes. He says the rest of the album is awful. This is probably the worst song in the album, and it is a disgrace to the band. That's how heated wow. it's getting. So then, commenter Ghost Wishing, who I know we've talked about before on the show. Rolls in, says, nothing wrong with Supercharger and the Bernie Red. I've been a Machine Head fan since Burn My Eyes, and personally, I think the Bernie Red is the best. So all of you wasting up space for us true Machine Head fans, fuck you very much. You got him. That's That's a got him. That's a got him. That's a got him. And then I don't have the comment in front of me, but somebody on a different page says that new metal should be banned. (laughs) okay well Well, take it easy take it easy relax i have to admit over the the course of time of us doing this podcast i've had a similar thought a couple times (laughs) but i feel like i have the grounds which is to say new metal is banned for a little while i'm just kidding i don't wish new metal was banned then i'd never get to your drop in plates that's right that's a fate worse than death so Mm -hmm. um all right up next, we've got Brown Acid, which is a an instrumental track that goes into nausea. Is this pretty much it? I think you could go to... Yeah, you can just go into it. Here we go.
the first listen for me, when I heard him whisper, I'm fucking sick of you, I got so excited, you guys. That's like how it's done. It's what I want. I love it. This chorus is very pop, though. This is another one that I thought maybe could have been a single, but I think it has a little too many F-words to really work like as a radio single. Um, but, you know, this one, once again, hitting those new metal buttons, I was on board with it. With it so, Jenny, what'd you think? I thought it was all right. It wasn't really like a standout track to me. Um, I, of course, I'm with you on the I'm fucking sick of you stuff. I love it. I love that. I'm fucking uh, sick of you. Yeah. Chorus is a little too poppy for me, but, you know, I think we'll all survive that. Not a shock. But, yeah, this one didn't really stand out to me too much, especially uh, other than the whisper at the top. Uh, just especially because so many of these songs are so bonkers. And I agree, I could see it being a radio song, but it's four and a half minutes long. Mm. It's pushing it. Yeah. Also, you'd have to lose the intro, probably. Where he's unfortunately that's yeah. the best part. Yeah, especially because he also goes tick tick tick, which you know he's so sick of you that the clock is ticking for him to be done with you. Um, Matt Nas, what do you think of this one, guys? I'm gonna say it. This is a kind of a bodies for them. I could hear this in trailers for action films. Huh. Huh. You think that's this is their bodies? I said kinda. Yeah. Uh, I don't. It's like a limb. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is their torso. But there is a part of it that has that kind of like. Maybe it's not bodies, but it's like kind of genetically engineered to be in a trailer for an action film. It's kind of like in the pocket for modern rock radio it isn't so outwardly aggressive like it's a little bit more drawn back it's it is more of that loud loud quiet loud style um i kind of like this one all right yeah well that's good uh commenter rev dick or is that reverend dick hmm Okay. Uh, said, it's about someone who thinks they're better than any everyone and all their bullshit is catching up to them and they want help to only start their bullshit again and the one person they betrayed before isn't going to help them. You said it, Reverend Dick. And wow. uh, Punk Father 666, I assume also a man of the cloth, said, great song. When it came out, I didn't really dig it, like most of Supercharger, because they had gone soft but in retrospect, it's a pretty good album because it's so different. When I'm in the mood for heavy shite, I listen to, and then he lists a bunch of acronyms, I assume, for other albums. BME, TMTC, TTAOE, or TB. I assume those are all their other albums. Uh, but when I want to hear Rob sing great melodies and some killer rhymes, winky emoji, I dig out the Bernie Red and Supercharger. That winky emoji really speaks to me is that even this guy who's like i'm a fan but these raps come on oh yeah these raps got to go i will say spoiler alert for this whole album there are no raps on this album that i adore as much as the ones on uh on the burning red um 
So just putting that out there. All right. Well, let's keep going. Uh, Up next, we've got a song called Blank Generation. stay over this I'm fine with it <laughs> uh, do you see those Doritos I left for you on the front porch thank you so much I was starving uh, yeah I thought so I hadn't seen you in a while I was worried yeah I was uh, at Dream Cruise oh oh yeah uh, Dream Cruise is a regional event in southeastern Michigan where for some reason everybody who has a 67 Camaro decides to put it on a road in a gridlock for a whole day and everybody looks at it and is like yep that's still a 67 Camaro got it it's true but but you seem to enjoy it I sell t-shirts oh okay. yeah uh, Skitters gets a whole bunch printed off and uh, oh, right. yeah we try to just uh, capitalize on the day <laughs> uh, so you might mention uh, you might mention or notice a uh, a sweet cot outside your window. All right. Well, I don't know how much longer you're going to be okay here, Prowl. I got to be honest go. with you. You got to get out of here. <laughs> Anyway, All right. So I have a bunk bed outside here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Prowlar. Matt. Gotta go. All right. So we're about to fast forward to something. It's... Yeah, because there's still four minutes left in this song. <sighs> I just want to. Here's the thing. Normally I'm just like fast forward to it. But Jenny, are you ready? I'm ready. And I well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you after. All right, Matt. I'm ready. I need you to go to 350. 350. Okay, here we go. All right. So here's to our collagen lips and saline tits, to our growth hormones and antibiotics, to the Hollywood world we made out of Barbie doll hearts after we melted them down so we could make our new start. It's two generations getting always wondering why. Instead of playing doctor, we play shoot each other and die. Instead of ring around the rosy, we play hide for mommy. Cause mommy's been drinking again and we don't want to get beat. Even with all the tattoos and all the cheap clothes, there's still a hole inside of us that may not ever get done. So we can break a little bit of what the world's giving us. I mean, pit has been activated. You would, <laughs> you would fucking activate the pit to that. 
Jenny, we'll start with you, but I've, I've got something too, but we'll start with you. Your thoughts. Uh, this is, that was a batshit part of the song I didn't see coming. Um, mm, you never see it coming. Even on your third listen, you're like, oh shit, that's right. I, uh, yesterday was listening again and I was cooking and I was listening to it while I was cooking. Mitch was in and out building the chicken run for our chickens that are set to arrive tomorrow. Mm. Um, he walked in right at the top of this part <laughs> and he was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I was like, it's just, it's, it's machine. It's, it's fine. <laughs> like, he was like, cool. <laughs> I was like, uh, it was weirdly embarrassing. Like, yeah. I don't know why. I just felt like somebody had walked in on me doing something dumb. Right. <laughs> it's just like, just right. Like I'm trying to open a package with a knife. Right at the moment, I'm like chopping zucchini and this comes out and he's just like, what are you doing? Like, Get out of here. <laughs> I'm chopping zucchini. Shut up. So that's mine, Lauren. If, uh, if we want to go back to, I believe it was episode 25, Primer 55, uh, our good friend Josh Toomey's former band. And I remember something we said about that band was, is it possible to be too new metal, too new metal for your own good? And the thing that is interesting about this album, more than the Burning Red, is that Rob Flynn was like, you know what? You know what the problem with the Burning Red was? We weren't new metal enough. We need to dive in so hard. And no one told... Here's the thing. I can, as far as I can tell, no one has ever told Rob Flynn no. Or if they have, he's not listened to them. Yeah. Because this dude goes in. This whole rant, we're talking... We run the gamut of talking... I mean, the classic bit, we're talking about... College and lips, sailing tits, classic move. Talking about fake people, uh, and you know Hollywood worlds and all this stuff. But then we start getting to like shooting, and then we start talking about hiding from mommy because she's been drinking, and then we start talking. But then we start talking about we got all our tattoos and our cheap thrills, but there's still a hole inside of us that will never get filled. I'm like, whoa, the self awareness here, you know, the reflection. Don't see that too much. Then he keeps going. He starts talking about bad cops turning their cheeks, hurting real cops who are just trying to get the job done. Then he starts talking about mad cow disease, starts talking about Mickey D's serving all those mutant chickadees. Dude is going in. And indeed, Jenny, if you were chopping zucchini and Mitch walked in, and here's Rob Flynn going, Mickey D serving all those mutant chickadees. Yeah, you're going to be a little embarrassed. It's natural. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the you guy, know. the guy, here's the thing. He's not embarrassed. He's not winking. He yeah. me, he believes it all. Which I yeah, think. Just, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I, I mean, is that a strength? Because I feel like it is. I want it to be, if he was winking, if he was sort of like, uh, I think I'd like it less. The fact that he's all in on it still makes it enjoyable. Matt Nas. So the moment I heard this, I started to think about like Rob Flynn's earnestness. You're right, Lauren. He isn't doing this in a hokey fashion. 
he's doing this very heartfelt and I believe he means it, which is very important in music. You should mean it. The delivery mechanic is so difficult to have all that earnestness in. What makes hardcore great is that it takes one basic human emotion and usually executes that one thought in the song simply. And he's talking about globalism, consumerism, the whole idea of beauty standards and fakeness all at once in an art form that he isn't as skilled in as he is in other sides of this art form. He is not a great rapper. He seems often losing a race to himself with some of these lyrics. Yes. Right. So he's, but the, but he's earnest about it. Yes. And he is not giving a fuck about it, which are what you need in order to do it. But as the listener, I get to decide whether you pulled it off or not. And you cannot give a fuck if I think you pulled it off or not, as is your right. Mm-hmm. He doesn't pull it off. He does a great drop that would have gotten a pit activated one million percent, but it is unfortunately hokey. That that works for me. I wrote in my notes, is this great with the question mark? Because I was I went through these feelings. Of you know, and the thing is that he does something similar to this on Catharsis, the most recent album, which is the album that basically his whole band quit after he made it. So it really is a, uh, a I want to say divided taste. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's divisive, that's for sure. I go back and forth because certainly on my first listen, I was totally blown away, and on my third listen, I remember thinking I kind of love this, but at the same time. I more than more than I'd say any other album we've done in recent memory, I can hear the haters of this album and being like, I understand you. But at the same time, I am enjoying this. But the haters, I see you and I understand you. Thank you. <laughs> I don't hate this record, but I I see what you mean. It's fun. It gives me a similarly fun vibe to the sickness. The sickness, I'm 100% there for, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot about that in this album that feels similar to me. And I'm produced by the same person, so I can see that, like... there's Yeah, there's a lot of stylistic similarities, Mm -hmm. but it's the subject matter that becomes kind of the differentiator. Yeah. Like, Draymond's talking about dropping fucking plates and enemies. My number one enemy. (laughs) One number one enemies. And and Rob Flynn is taking us on this, the world's trying to judge you, and we're the blank generation. I mean, like, yeah. And I I think you're onto something, no. No, because Draymond... Draymond is a more theatrical guy. Mm. He's more there seems there's a remove. Draymond at home is not getting wheeled to the kitchen table in the Hannibal Lecter outfit. Okay? <laughs> what, what if though? But what if? What if? What Guys, if? Can you imagine? Oh man. I can. But with Rob Flynn, I feel like Rob Flynn is Rob Flynn. Wherever you take him, there he is. 
be in this guy. You can't, you can't, yeah, you can't cage this beast and you can't have him change anything. And so Draymond, I feel like, is sort of singing as a character and it, it takes the absurdity for, at least for you and me, Jenny, to this higher level where if it, it seems perhaps dumb, but you love it and you're on the ride. But with Rob, it's like, a li- it's just much more wrenching and uh, visceral and there's there's a lot of reality getting mixed up in there but also I think the other thing is that never at any point is Draymond out of his wheelhouse on the sickness everything Draymond does on the sickness he does very well and maybe not so much with Rob Flynn on this we're not always getting the things that he's best at on here agreed all right, up next, we've got Trepanation. I used to want to take control of my head, let the pain out of the hole. I used to want to cut the veins in my neck, cool the blood boiling my soul. And when I wondered why my damn head extended, tried to buffer. Down the pain I suffered, mutilated, feeling so humiliated. Can I watch the dirt off underneath my skin? It's like 220. Sure, you got it. Here we go. Wow, like uh yeah. What is happening? I don't know, but this is far and away my favorite track on the album. It's about digging holes into your skull. Yeah. I mean <laughs> That's your shit. Totally. That's what I love to do. It's my top hobby. <laughs> Quit doing improv. Started <coughs> digging holes in my head. Mm. Uh, no, I just, I liked the heaviness of the song. I loved, like, I don't know. I think the riffs are sweet. It's, I don't know. I loved this one. I don't think this is a new metal song. But uh, I like it. Yeah, this one seemed to have been, in a lot of the comments, this is the one song when people sort of trash this album. They go, well, Trepanation's a killer. And that's because this one just goes super hard. It's talking about drilling holes in your head. It's settling scores in like a pretty brutal way. But yeah, it's it's a lot of, uh, yeah, just a lot of blood in a way that I think we're not normally 
get you know that I'm killing you. Hand on the trigger, pull it. The, your final thought will be bullet in your fucking head. Woo! Oh boy, Rob's really going for it with this one. Uh, so I really like this one, but I do agree with Jenny. Um, not very new metal, just pretty metal. Uh, one of my favorite phrases, I won't read the whole comment, but Jeremy 2K8 says, this song is laced with rage. <laughs> <laughs> I love laced um, with rage. Hi, could I um, just uh, order a number seven laced with rage, please? Oh, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> man in a gorilla suit comes out and punches me in the face he also has i I gotta say the the other thing i like in this guy's comment is uh that he says this song is brutally fucking honest but it's fucking with no c's and two k's and then he says i have lived a similar life (laughs) wait a minute yeah jeremy 2k8 you know it's putting it all out there. Yeah. Laced with rage. Laced with rage. Laced with rage. I love it. Oh, man. There's a new season of British Bake Off coming up. And if this cake <laughs> is not laced with just the right amount of rage, you're going to be eliminated. Paul Hollywood will not stand for it. Will not mm. stand for it. I heard he broke up with his girlfriend because he wanted her to sign an NDA and she refused. She's like, I'm dating you. This is insane. He's not gay. No, no, Paul Hollywood oh. is very straight. Okay. He's a he's a fuck anything that moves kind of guy. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, all right. Yeah, we, we're learning together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A quick cue. Yeah. Uh-huh. How respectful of our time is this album? This album comes in at fifty six minutes and thirty nine seconds. Guys, it's too long. It's a little too long. It's uh. Yeah, it's too long. Um, a lot of these songs, I mean, Machine Head songs are long, usually. They are. And I think a lot of like when you get into any sort of like groove metal stuff, the, the songs tend to be long. Um but, groove, yeah. Yeah. I but I don't I don't know that that translates well to this style for me. By the way, that sounded shitty towards you, Jenny, and I didn't mean it shitty towards you. Oh, I didn't take it that way. Good. I just want to... Hey, this is how we communicate. (laughs) Yeah. I assume the best of both of you at all times. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. (laughs) Now, I don't assume the best. I do assume the best intentions of Rob Flynn and Mm -hmm. this band in general. Um, But, man, yeah, some of these songs... and. It's that thing kind of that like you were talking about earlier, Matt, where like the thing about hardcore songs that make them work, or it's, it's like a simple message. It's condensed. That's what you get. A lot of these songs are, it feels like pieces of a bunch of different songs put into one long track. I don't know if you got that sense, Lauren, but. Oh, yeah. Like you're you're in the middle of this song and you think it's about generally one thing. I mean, the thing is the song about meth. I'm a little surprised it's just about meth. That, that one's pretty focused. But you get into these longer, you, you know, these uh, Blank Generation, uh, American High, we're covering a lot of ground. We're covering a lot of themes. And uh, it's a journey. And sometimes uh, this album is a bit like a bucking bronco. And you just got to decide if you can hold on or if it's going to pitch you off to the side, you know? Um, yeah. And also, it's it's incredibly long. So the endurance that it that it asks of you, 
Um, and we didn't even get the Digipack release, which is like 70 minutes long or something like that. So. 74 minutes long. Oh, boy. That's close to a film. It is. That's that's like six minutes shorter than Toy Story, which I just watched <laughs> with my son the other day. Just like you have to minutes. choose Toy Story or Supercharger. <laughs> I, one or the other. Um, I know what I'd choose. Oh, boy. Uh, all right. Up next, we've got Deafening Silence. You know what? You gotta have a slow boy. And you don't gotta, but this makes sense. You know. This song does exactly that. It makes sense. It's thematically correct. Is it, uh, it's in almost five and a half minutes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. It's, it's more than five and a half minutes. You know what? I mean, we bag on albums for being too long for a podcast that's very long. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, is it because our expectations of the new metal genre are more wrapped up in the idea of getting to the point? Um, I'm wondering why. I'm wondering why. I don't know why in this episode I'm deciding to have this conversation with you all. But why is it that we're so upset at five and a half minute songs? Is it just that they meander and take forever? And they don't get to it because if it's great, I'll listen to a 10 minute song. I don't give a shit. I don't think either of you would say the opposite. Mm-mm. So what is it about this genre that makes us crave fucking getting to it? I think that it depends. Like I had to look this up to make sure I recall correctly, but like Roots, 70, 72 minutes and eight seconds. That is a great record. Yeah. But it does it. I feel like it does things the right way. I think that a lot of times for me, at least when albums are really long or songs are really long in this genre, it's not for a great reason. Mm. And I think that oftentimes where the genre succeeds is when it is able to get to the point. Um, 
But a lot of the songs, I think usually when we find something to be too long, there's like filler on the album. The songs are cramming lots of different kind of like. It's muddled. It's muddled. It's There's too many like pieces of different songs. It's like a, I don't know. I just imagining a bunch of like weird bones in a bag, like from different animals. Like, <laughs> yeah, separate the bones. Um, Nobody wants a bone bag. I, I don't know. There's no one wants bone a bag. bone bag. Oh no! I'm yeah. just, I'm just. I don't know why, but you know, the classic bone bag metaphor. Uh, Jenny, uh, Jenny, I, I hate to say it, but I think you're probably going to get some bone bags on your wedding day. I'm just going to say. I, it. you know. <laughs> Lauren, what do you think of the bone bag thing? Um, I, I I see what you mean. I think with uh, with the length thing, honestly, it's a. Uh, I go back to 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 paraphrase Roger Ebert, who once said, "No good movie is long enough, and no bad movie is short enough." And I think it's the same way. Yeah, Roots, seventy two minutes, absolutely. Take all the time you need. But, you know, how long was that Deadsy record? If you told me that Deadsy record was 38 minutes, I'd be like, yeah, sure. An agonizing 38 minutes. Like, doesn't matter. It's bad at any length. Um, With this record, I honestly did not feel the length too much. Uh, And honestly, I think a lot of the times when we're just talking and complaining about how long an album is, is really just the fact of just that, we're busy people and we're trying to fit this, these albums into our listens. And it's like, you gotta, you know, if you, if you got an album and it's like 38 minutes, you're like, great, that's easy. Block that out. That's, that's a commute. But then, yeah, when it's 60, 70 minutes long, you're like, oh, this is, this is going to be a day. Yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, significant other 62 minutes and 39 seconds. So that's a long boy. Yeah. Right. I think chocolate starfish is even longer. Hmm. So, yeah. Uh, and with, also, yeah. I think we've just made a habit of talking about it as part yeah. of the other thing. Like, yeah. it's just something that we... And I don't mind it. I would just think, you know, if, if, you're, if you're new here, we talk mm-hmm. about time quite a bit. And then there might be that, hey, you guys are hypocrites. We are. We are. Uh, so oh, yeah. we, we are. <laughs> do as we say, not as we do. Baby. <laughs> That's a roach coach way. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, my only other thought on this song is, I mean, Jenny, you were just working, I know, this weekend on your wedding playlist. And, mm-hmm. you know, at a couple points during the night, as much as you're going to have some jams and some dance tracks, you got to slow it down. Get some couples. Maybe have a couples dance. Hey. All the couples come out, and then you start eliminating them. Twenty years, ten years, or whatever that or that works. Oh, I thought you meant like killing. <laughs> yes, you murder them. Your yeah. first wedding, this Jenny. This is the song that I will be murdering. Yeah, the, the couple. Matt, Matt, there. Jenny's first wedding. She doesn't know about the murder spree. Got to tell oh, yeah. them about. You got to tell I'm these kids about everything until after. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, Matt and yeah. I are going to be fashionably late, so we can just step Made over. That mistake yeah. once. Yeah, we're going to eliminate the couples. Uh, yeah, uh, but. But this is this is I mean five and a half minutes perfect little slow song, you know who doesn't want to hear a little deafening silence dance close with their special someone. Good point. I'll take it under consideration. 
Uh, I think I might already be pushing it with the playlist a little bit in terms of my tastes being overrepresented. So did we'll Mi- see. did Mitch give you some pushback? No. Oh, okay. No, I just told him to add whatever he wanted. Okay. Um, you know, we we put a call out to people on the invite to write down songs if mm-hmm. they want to hear them. Yeah. So, you know, we some people did, some people didn't. That's true. We honored those who did and those who didn't. And so, for everything you didn't ask, it's one more Britney Spears song for me. There, so there you go. There we go. All right, we've got one track left on this album, and it is the title song, uh, Supercharger. If you can go to 145. You got it, buddy. I just, I just, uh, I just needed him to yell, oh my fucking God. Like, I, uh, I love the ad libs on this album and I love that one on the last song just because it seems almost like he's surprised, like, how hard are we rocking right now? Oh my fucking god! I wrote in my notes, man. I love this guy. So we went out real hot with this one. Jenny, thoughts on Supercharger? Uh, it's definitely a hot close. Uh, interesting choice. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think this album if we're using your bucking bronco thing i've i've flown off the horse at this <laughs> point <laughs> i've been bucked uh from the bronco it was it was cool it was good um i bet it would be super fun to watch live but at this point i was like what is going on what's going on here yeah this one once again we are sort of getting a new metal science lesson as we're learning about ele- electricity Charge me, charge you, charge us, charge through, amplify, terrify, supercharger, electrifies. Protons, neutrons, electrons, synchronizing into one. In the sheer power, all will pale heaviness off the Richter scale, forever (laughs) crushing the competition in their tracks. 100,000 volts, we blast. Wow. So it's right on there. He also talks about having a, a Braveheart mindset, full attack, kamikaze, never look back. Okay. This guy is yeah, it's it's one of those things where he's just like, you guys, everybody get in here. 
I am ready to crush this. Let's go. Boundless enthusiasm. What you said earlier, Jenny, hot clothes. How many hot clothes have we encountered? Yeah. Not too many. I, I feel like hardly any. No, Everyone normally would put Deafening Silence as the last song. Going on a slow boy. But Rob Flynn's like, no, no, no. We go out hot. That's how we do it. Johnny K, hit that record button. Because we got 100,000 volts of blasting to do. Matt, what'd you think? Let's talk about it. Guys. Does this sound a little bit like a band from Iowa? Matt. You think so? You think? Dude, I am getting such a heavy Corey vibe from our boy Rob Flynn. And I felt it a couple of different times during this album. And I didn't mention it. But like... All Rob needs to do is say people equal shit and... uh <laughs> He's there. There's a real not vibe on this record. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I mean, it was in the air. The not was incredibly popular. And people going bite. I mean, he's dirt- certainly going for these raps. Now that you mention it, the raps do have a bit of a Corey vibe to them. One million percent. So it's true. Although Corey has never talked about protons, neutrons, or electrons. Just saying that that's a <laughs> Rob Flynn original. O G R F. So that is, that's the album. And uh, now it's time for. Cannon talk. Uh, Jenny, why don't you start? Uh, I thought this album was a fun ride. It was interesting. Uh, I really liked Trepanation. I thought there was it was interesting to see them continue their their new metal streak. And I think this album, in many ways, was much more new metal than the Burning Red. Um, there wasn't anything on this album that really stood out to me as being something that absolutely needed to be in the canon. I do think there's something to the, uh, we'll say, coincidence of um, <laughs> the beginning of this album and uh, the song crashing around you, the content of that song and the video. There's something about that, like that, the story of that feels worthy of note. I'm not sure where in the canon or in our whatever mind palace that we've made of uh, where we store things, new metal related, but that feels of note to me musically. I, there wasn't really anything that I feel is essential. Um, What do you think? I mean, for me, this was, this album felt like a very full throated mission statement that failed more because of changing times and unforeseeable events because it, it rocks, it crushes and it never pulls a punch. And it feels, it's funny is that the, uh, the critique of this album is always like, oh, they were trying to be new metal. They're trying all these things. But I think the, the difference though, is that I don't feel like Rob is posing Mm-mm. I would never accuse Rob Flynn of being a poser, ever, ever. I believe that he believes 
One million percent, as Matt would say. And so the conviction Mm. is something that really carries me through. And I just, but this is the album, I think more than any of the other albums we've done that like failed after 9-11 or failed in the come down for various reasons. Um, This is the one that just feels remarkable because I I wonder, I wonder because I hear so much on here that I feel would connect with people that this is one that I just wondered what it would be, you know, if things had been different. If this album had been released three months earlier, you know, do are you know are things different? Do people view this album? Because the thing is that people listen to this album and they're like, somebody wrote to us. I think it was I don't want to say who and get it wrong, but someone had wrote to wrote to us and said like they had listened to this album and it was terrible, and they were like, don't do it. And and listening to this, I'm like, this is getting the job done in a lot of ways of what I would want. I mean, this was a pretty for even though it was fifty seven minutes long. This was a pretty fun three listens, uh, because I was. Here's the thing. I think you'll agree, Jenny. Never boring. No, was not boring. Not boring, and and so for that, I mean, yeah, I I I can't fully. I can't say like put it in the canon, but I do agree with you. There feels like it feels remarkable in that way. Uh, but I don't know how I don't know how to com- compartmentalize it. Matt Nas. I have a lot of uh, feelings about this record. The first one is I think there's a lot of enjoyable songs on here. I think there's a lot of crowd movers. I think there's a lot of pit activators. I also feel like um, in a different way they were trying to broaden their sound to apply for to not apply but to be applicable maybe to different people, maybe people that didn't like the burning red or wish they would have gone a little bit further into the style. When I hear this, I can't help but hear like the 2001 rock radio of the time, right? Like you did have your creeds out. You did have your, your nickelbacks out. You did have like that sound that they, on a higher form and in a better form capture. But then there's other things that are on this record that are unfortunately hokey. And I don't think it has anything to do with Rob Flynn. Rob Flynn is an incredibly earnest person. It seems like what he thinks and what he believes is what he thinks. And he believes like he's not putting on a mask. He's not be hiding behind anything. He is who he is on this record. There is a huge disadvantage to being earnest in a skeptical world is that it can also come across as maudlin or tired or trite or corny. And there are moments that he comes across as all of those in this record. And I don't think that it's his fault, but musically there's a lot to like. We activated the pit a ton. Oh, for sure. There, There's a lot to like on this record. But from an essential standpoint, I don't know. I think you're right, Lauren. More than any other record, this one never got a chance to find its place. Because I think it leaves, even though it borrows so heavily from the genre and it is so textbook new metal at times... It also leaves new metal far behind it in other moments where it's trying to take another step or a new step in another direction. 
And I don't think it really found its home because people were either trying to look at it as, is it this thing over here? Or is it this thing over here? And it never got a chance in the marketplace to really find, no, it's actually this. And mm-hmm. I think kind of to the detriment of the record. And I think also that might be why Rob Flynn decided to go back and do another new metal record in 2017 because he's like, I didn't quite nail it, but I feel like I got close. And I mean, there's this thought in my head that there's this alternate reality where something on this record catches hold and the whole view of it is different. Like, I I feel like for a certain fan, they can't not hear this any other way than, than how history has made it to be. I mean, I came in it with, here's the thing, I came into it, you know, as someone who had sold it at time of release, sold it back, and I was very pleasantly surprised. I was like, I can't believe I sold this record. This record is rocking my face. But at the same time, I don't know, I don't know if there's anything, because, yeah, because of the inherent, like, kind of corniness, and it's, yeah, and, and I don't know if I put anything essential. But man, did I enjoy it. All right. There it is. We agree. We agree. All right. So Machine Head, not in the canon, but that's okay. I feel like we've done our very best to reevaluate this record that I think has been unduly damaged by history and release time. Agreed. Agreed. And that does bring us to the end of our episode. Thank you so much for listening. Keep on saying hello online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Roach Coach on those. Send us an email, roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's and Coach with a K. That is baby. Coach with a K, baby. And until next time, Jenny, thank you. Lauren, thank you. Matt. Thank you. Thank you. All right. See you later. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Every time I try to talk, you never listen. You got the answers. I don't know a thing. But you ask me what these lights are in my eyes.